0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up, three prospects the Vikings should replace Eric Kendricks with in the draft, plus a new first round mock draft simulation. That's all coming up next on the draft edition of the football party.
1: Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast.
0: Back in the lab, another edition of the football party on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. Your daily breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Sam Ekstrom, on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, co host of The Ron Johnson Show every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sam, it's Tuesday today, it means I'm taking over getting into this weekly draft edition of the football party. How are you feeling about the draft class now after watching some of these guys rip it up at the Combine? Starting to feel real, isn't it? Like, we're really in the Mm -hmm. thick of draft season now.
1: Yeah, this is what I talked about on the football party yesterday with Arif and Braun. I, I feel like we on this show, we almost have to come up with some new draft crushes because a lot of the dudes that you smartly identified as being ballers showed up to the combine and they were ballers and they were ballers. They balled out so hard. I'm not sure they're going to be around at 23. I think we might have to maybe let the Kalija can dream die. I don't know mm-hmm. if Joey Porter is going to be realistic at all. Um, I'm not sure about Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like th- there's just a lot of dudes that we thought maybe they sneak to 23. They're not sneaking to 23. So I think we got to maybe reset our expectations, come up with some new names for guys that we really want to focus on.
0: Yeah, and the Combine, too, it's truly amazing because it's this time of the year on the NFL calendar where you hear a lot of experts say it's the most wild and dramatic part of the entire season because now you've got all 32 teams huddled up in one spot, all the GMs, all the coaches, all the scouts, and all the media too. And the fact that it's just a week or so before free agency hits, it makes it this perfect launching pad, if you will, for all the rumors and the buzz to start heating up with so many team executives just talking to one another. In fact... Did you see Rich Eisen' his show yesterday? He gave his top five bombshells that he heard from the combine. They were pretty wild.
1: So I heard that the Packers don't
0: want Rodgers back. Yes, which they, has hope, been... they hope Rodgers either wants to retire or get traded. Because mm-hmm. at this point, I think they just want to. I think they honestly just want to see what they got with Jordan Love. I really do.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. I think that it's become a headache for them. It's it's unbelievable how fifteen years later. It's why Rogers has become Favre. Copy he might pace. go to the Jets.
0: He's got to go to the Jets. He has he to go, go to, to the Jets. Jets. Time yeah. is just a flat circle here. History repeated itself. Yeah. That was number two, I believe. Number five was Phillip Rivers. He reached out to the Dolphins and Niners. He said, When you know, when those quarterbacks went down late in the year, he said, Hey, I want to come in. I want to fill in for these guys. So maybe Phillip Rivers isn't done quite yet. Number four, I believe, was Ryan Poles, the Bears. They're already deep deep down the road with trade talks for the number one pick already got a plethora of options it sounds like meaning maybe a deal could be done sooner than later number three ravens and lamar not even close to a deal it sounds like sounds like things are getting ugly and i don't know if you remember but i had a hot take over a month ago i said Lamar will not play another down in Baltimore. And it just feels like maybe that could come to fruition. As wild as that sounds, you mentioned the Rodgers one. And the number one, I'm sure you saw on Twitter as well. Don't count out Tom Brady returning to football again. Are you serious? That man? would be
1: so what lame. I don't doing? know what's lamer, that or Phillip Rivers. But Yeah, yeah
0: totally. What I'm are not we doing? even interested anymore. I don't I, care. I, I, I'm over it. Everybody's over it. And And he mentioned the Dolphins feels like, The Dolphins are like the only realistic team because his family is set up in Miami. Obviously makes sense if you're going to go play for the Dolphins who could need a quarterback after all these Tua injuries as well. They could be moving on from him. And knowing his contract's coming up here soon, I don't think they're going to want to sign him to a major long-term deal with a bunch of guaranteed money too. What was your biggest takeaway from the combine outside of the guys that we mentioned when you just look at the draft class as a whole? Because for me, it was like, Remember a lot of people dubbed this draft class this is a weak class. There's not a lot of blue chips at the top. This is maybe one of the weaker classes we've seen in the last few years. It didn't feel like that after the combine ended. Did it feel like that for you? No. No, not at all. I I
1: am struck by the fact that football is becoming more and more positionless mm-hmm. because everybody is so athletic. So quarterbacks are now running backs. They run they run the same speed, they're mobile. Quarterbacks are running backs, tight ends and receivers are getting more and more interchangeable. Linebackers are so fast they could play safety or nickel. Um, the defensive linemen, you know, inside guys have the athletic ability to kind of be outside guys. Like it, it everything is interchangeable nowadays. And I'm just struck by seeing these massive humans running for six. You know, all of them. If you're if you're above five at this point, you're a snail. I mean, everybody's running under five in some uh, former fashion, and some guys in the four twos, four threes. Football is just a, a game for speed now, man. And you, you know, if you're fast, you can play so many different spots in this game. I'm I'm just struck by just the the year over year evolution of some of these athletes it's crazy yes.
0: so many to that point so many hybrid players now you get the joker linebackers for example so many sub packages too we've seen them in the NFL first it was uh, the nickel and the dime and the base defense 4334 now it's the sub nickel the 335 the bare fronts the dime packages with maybe a corner db at your linebacker position like Derwin James was used for the uh, Chargers so yeah to that point, you're right. The athletes every year that come out just continue to blow me away. I do want to get into three athletes, specifically at linebacker, to replace Eric Kendricks. But first, remember, every day, posting a new poll over on that Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube page. So go smash the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. We're so close to hitting 5,000 subscribers now, thanks to you guys. So huge shout-out to all you guys listening and helping us make that happen. And on Twitter, give us a follow, too. It's at Locked On. MIM. All right, Sammy, sad day yesterday seeing Eric Kendricks released to help clear some much needed cap space. And I said it all along, like as much as I hate it, Kendricks was always the cleanest cap cut, but also one of the top big name guys on the roster. You felt like maybe in the back of your mind somewhere, he could still play good football in a new system. Maybe it was just Ed Donatale Maybe it was just the coaching scheme. Maybe it was the play calling. It also always felt like If you're going to extend Cousins and clear some cap space then you were probably going to find a way to keep Kendricks around because, again, you got to keep some of these guys around if you plan on playing a high level of football next year. Brian Flores needs more than just fourth and fifth-round players at every position to be able to come in and make the impact you wanted when you hired him. So it's like, all right, did you see some stud linebackers that you fell in love with in Indy? Did you talk to some agents maybe and get some word of mouth who's going to be available that not only fits your scheme, but it also fits your budget but at the end of the day again this was always just the cleanest cap cut casualty we saw when we looked at the cap and how it sat heading into the off season and i say that again i'm referring to the fact that he had the least amount of dead money biggest savings almost 10 million dollars only 2 in dead money that was a huge necessity for this front office to clear some much needed cap space i mean they started this venture going into the off season what 25 26 million in the hole. Kendricks helps a ton. And he was a stud, man. I just want to take 30 seconds. I'm going to miss him. Outstanding linebacker career for the Vikings. I remember scouting him out of UCLA in 2015. Great instincts, great coverage guy. I remember thinking, man, how cool would this be to pair him up with last year's first-round pick, Anthony Barr, for the next six, seven years? And they did it. Second-round pick, which if you remember, too, Sam, that was Rick Spielman's all-star draft. Trey Wayne's Kendrick's Daniil Hunter finds this diamond in the rough gem superstar in the third round and then Stefan Diggs two rounds later as well yeah. in the fifth and TJ Clemmings it, of course can't forget TJ Clemmings yeah who else are we forgetting over there right, let me actually just look this up now because you said it <laughs> Michael Pru- this is what always kills me about that draft they took Michael Pruitt three picks before Stefan Diggs So they had two back-to-back picks. What if Diggs would have went in those next two, three picks? And you look back and you're like, why didn't we just take Diggs first and wait and take Michael Pruitt second? Easy to say now looking back, but that always just kills me seeing those picks so close and knowing that for whatever reason, they had Michael Pruitt higher on their draft board than Stephon Diggs. I always think that's funny. So... Question is, where do we go from here? I posed this question to you and uh, Luke Braun last week on the football party. I said, what if, because he saves you by far the most, you cut Kendrick's, does that mean you feel more entitled to maybe keep Jordan Hicks around? Because remember, at the beginning of the year, we all just assume from the moment the season ended, Jordan Hicks... He's probably gone. Say five and a half, six million. You both said, No, I don't want to do that. I'd rather keep Kendricks for the extra couple mil than Hicks, which makes sense in a perfect world. I asked that because it always felt like if they do cut Kendricks first, then we were going to be sitting here like we are now, wondering well, would they restructure Hicks now? Maybe at a fraction of the price, bring back a guy who statistically, Sam, I know we don't like the athleticism and he's a little slower. He had 130 tackles, three sacks, and someone you could probably pay two, three, maybe $4 to, and now you roll with Hicks and Asamoah. Gives you a little combination of youth and speed with Asamoah, and then you got the crafty, sure-tackling veteran in Hicks. So we'll see what happens there, but either way, just tough to watch a big name like kendricks go first isn't it like can't you baby us in a little bit can't you warm us up with the cj ham or something like that you got to go kendricks right out the gate and we'll see i'm assuming i want your take on it. i'm assuming this is the first of many big name vets to go maybe Thielen's next cj ham like i mentioned etc and also if we look back was this a sign the writing on the wall they won't expect cousins and let him write out the final year of the deal. Because I really wonder too, I'm thinking about the combine the whole week that takes place as a GM, you know, Quasey's talking to other GMs at the combine. And so I wonder if he picked up when that maybe this Derek Carr contract and Geno Smith contract were going to look like they did. And he said to himself, man, so now I got to pay cousins at least 40 million in an extension. Do I really want to do that? Kick the can down the road. Do you think this is a sign to start this off season process out, clearing some cap space with Eric Kendricks and not extending cousins? Do you think it's a sign that they will let cousins write out this last year of his deal?
1: They're not going to give cousins a long-term extension. Okay. I think that ship has sailed Long I, meaning
0: I, three, four years.
1: Yeah. I, I still think that the only acceptable outcome is one, one year, um, and that would save you, like last year it saved him 14 when, okay. they, when they did that one-year tack-on uh, deal to, to his contract. So if you only save 14, you're not, you, you still need to cut people because you're still over the cap. Uh, so these veteran moves had to happen. Uh, the question was, you know, is it going to be one, two, three, or four? Like there, there's many different paths they can go down. I don't think they're done. I mean, I I think that with Kendrick's, to be honest with you, Luke, I I think not only is it a cap move, I think it's partly a performance move. Like mm. I think the two, like the, an easy cap move combined with some declining performance and not a good scheme fit either. Like that that has to be taken into account. But I think that made this a fairly obvious cut. It gets more complicated when it's a tough cap move, but or I mean, like in Zadarius Smith, for instance easy cap move but a productive player like that's where you you don't really know which way to go with that because you could save a lot of money Mm. but also really good player um adam thielen not a very easy cap move but he's also declining in performance so you have harder decisions to come i think this was probably the easier of the decisions like you alluded to luke this just made too much sense I don't think Cousins gets a long-term extension I think the Vikings want flexibility they don't want to be locked in to a quarterback who's going to be into his later 30s here uh, in a couple of years so I I think that I'm not sure that the Kendricks move and the Cousins decision are necessarily linked though mm-hmm. like to ultimately answer your question I don't know if this tells us
0: anything in that regard I just think this was inevitable. And if they don't extend Cousins, you would think they almost have to go draft a quarterback early in this draft, I would assume. But that's a conversation for another day. You know, I've started to make the comparison. Linebacker is a position on defense, similar to running back on offense. They seem to be guys you can find on days two and even three of the draft every year for cheap that you can kind of ride out for a handful of years and go draft a new one and keep the cycle going. Just kind of wash, rinse, repeat. And while other positions on defense, like having, you know, an elite pass rusher or a number one stud cover cornerback, such a premium now, so valuable in this passing league. The old-school blue-collar, 100-plus tackles a year linebacker just doesn't seem like it's as valuable as it used to be even 5, 10 years ago just because the way the game has evolved and changed so much. Now it's how well can you cover? How well can you rush the passer? Because you got to be on the field and be able to cover these big tight ends up the seam, running backs out of the flat, on the wheel routes, et cetera. That's more valuable than racking up 100 tackles on the stat sheet. So you need to be fast. You need to be long. You need to be athletic. And you got to have guys that can cover and can line up as a dime linebacker or almost one of these joker players in the middle of the field who can do a little bit of everything. And another huge comparison I like to draw from the running backs and the linebackers is this. It's a really tough position to play from a physical standpoint when it comes to just the wear and tear of the body. Because think about it. After five, six years, think about the amount of just physical blows you've absorbed onto your body over and over and over again. And because there's really no way around that, your body's just going to start to break down over a period of time, isn't it? I mean, it just is what it is. It's the human element. By the time some of these linebackers get to, say, 30 years old, you're on the wrong side of your career rather quickly and you're not just as fast or as quick or as energetic now anymore. It's easy to see why some of these guys like Kendricks, for example, start to watch their play deteriorate so quickly once you log six, seven years under your belt and hit that 30-year mark. So as much as I want to assume Kendricks is more maybe the Kendricks of 2019 or 2020, I think you make a great point. He's just not the same guy he used to be. And maybe it's not that black and white either. Maybe there's a little little balance to it but to see his play decline so rapidly and then to see how many games now he's logged and plus he's 31 years old now at the start of next season giving that plus the big contract with no dead money I think it always just made the most sense to cut ties with him sooner than later knowing full well you know we can find another again Brian Osamoa type in round three or four again this year and feel good about the linebacker unit that you're giving Brian Flores and instead Let's use those premium picks and our salary cap money on more premium positions like defensive line, cornerback, etc. So I don't want to call it a dying position here, Sam. You still need two good linebackers on the field, but kind of like running back now, it's a position it feels like you can cycle through every few years. Find a cheap new replacement later in the draft. You can kind of almost grind down for four or five years and then move on. That just seems to be kind of the blueprint in the NFL. Just your thoughts on the maybe lack of perceived value of the mm-hmm. linebacker position now? Is it kind yeah. of a dying breed?
1: Making it the calling it the running back of the defense, I think, is a, a good analogy because if you think of positional value, um, it bears out that you would rather have good defensive line play good cornerback play and even good safety play before Mm -hmm. linebacker play. Um, And the position is evolving too. I mean, no longer can you just be a big body tackler type. You have to cover. Mm -hmm. You have to cover. Um, And so these guys need to have legs to get down the field. Same deal with cornerbacks. Like there's not a lot of 30-year-old cornerbacks that can do the things they used to do when they were 25. And the same is going to be true of linebackers. If they can't cover, they're not going to be effective once they lose that step, right? Um, so I think that's why we're seeing this evolution to the quicker linebackers who maybe can hold on to their speed a little deeper into their careers. And, you know, we, we might see a couple of speeding bullets out there. Um, you know, it, went, it was the Bash brothers with with Kendrickson Barr. Um, we're going to see a couple burners now with Asamoa and potentially someone else who's extremely quick.
0: Yeah, maybe a little thunder and lightning coming up. I'm going to give you three prospects the Vikings should look to draft to replace Eric Hendricks. But first, don't forget we're presented by FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Locked On, America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Sam, T-Wolves are red hot, winning three in a row on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. They're now two-point favorites tonight versus the Sixers. Get in on all the action at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. And remember... If you're a new customer, try out the No Sweat First Bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Download the easy-to-use FanDuel app and get your winnings instantly. Money lines, parlays, prop bets. FanDuel's got everything you need to close out the NBA season's final stretch. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of On. All right, Sam, before we get into the mock draft, let's talk some linebackers in the draft who kind of balled out, maybe flashed some serious tools at the combine who I really like, just to give the people listening a taste of who's out there, a few names to jot down, put in the back of your minds for draft weekend. How does that sound?
1: Sounds good. I've got some
0: notes myself. All right, well, if we're going to talk linebackers, You got to start at the top. Mr. Do-It-All, the Swiss Army Knife, Trenton Simpson from Clemson. Totally think Mm -hmm. it's reasonable he's still on the board at 23. Because, again, just this decrease in perceived value the league has taken on the linebacker position as a whole could see him drop a little bit. We've seen some of these Joker linebackers come in with a lot of hype before, like Isaiah Simmons a few years ago. Another Clemson kid, by the way, goes to the Cardinals with the top 10 pick. And to be honest hasn't really lived up to the hype of a top 10 pick. And so I'll just say this, Sam. If you're going to draft players like Simmons, you better have a game plan of how you're going to use them before you even bring them in. You got to have some long conversations with Brian Flores about what that's going to look like and how you're going to maximize him in your defense. Because so far, it just seems like the Cardinals never really knew the best ways to maximize his talents on like a game-to-game, week-to-week basis. And I think you really got to take advantage of, Of their versatility being able to blitz one down being able to drop back in coverage and fly around the field on the next down that's how you get your money's worth out of these guys and Simpson can do all that and more you just turn on the tape this guy honestly looks like a defensive back the way he just flies around and not just in between the hashes like most linebackers but all over the field and I think that's just worth its weight in gold now as you just brought up you got to be able to have linebackers that can match up with bigger tight ends, running backs, even wide receivers now, sometimes on these shallow crossing routes or whatever it may be. Simpson had the second fastest 40-time for a linebacker in Indy with a 4-4-3, which, you know, Sam, I'm watching this combine. I'm on Twitter. I'm reading, you know, some, some fan remarks and comments and reviews. It seems like we just downplay how fast some of these guys are now. And unless they're in like the four threes, we just brush it off like, eh, no big deal. 4-4-3 for a 235-pound linebacker is blazing Sam. And it's that kind of speed that really makes him unique and special and why he's going to be drafted in the first round. And speed wins in the NFL now. He's got that in spades. If he's there at 23, I just think you got to think long and hard about it. And I know I just said oh, you can find these guys later in the draft, but it's tough to find this special of an athlete. And if they build a good game plan, again, with Brian Flores and he signs off on it, then you got to feel like you're getting a special player in the middle of your defense. You know, just the thought, just thinking about pairing him up with Brian Osamoa man, the things you could do on defense schematically and how dangerous that would be for opposing offenses. Your thoughts, drafting a linebacker just this early, again, after the conversation we just had, and knowing that, again, I think I can find you a, a serviceable guy in rounds three or four, but is Simpson too special? What, what kind of notes you got on him?
1: Yeah, we're going to learn a lot about how uh, Quasey and you know Flores operate, because like, remember when right. the last coaching staff came in, what was the first thing they did? Got two amazing linebackers. That's right. Our first year, Kendrick's second year, they said, okay, we're set. Um, does this regime care about a position that, as we've laid out, isn't as trendy in today's NFL, unless you find some very high-end ones? Like, if you find Pro Bowl players at any position, it's going to help your defense. Um, Trenton Simpson, now, now, Luke, let me quiz you, and you might know this off the top of your head, because that's the kind of guy you are with the draft. Brian Asimoa, his forty time, and we agree. We agree that Brian Asimoa is very fast and looks very fast when playing football. What do you think his forty time was? Was he a four five one, four five two kind of guy? Four five six. Brian Asimoa, very good guess. Mm -hmm. And Simpson four four three, and another guy. I'm sure we'll talk about Papo, even faster. Like that's the kind of speed the Vikings would have next to each other. Asimoa who's incredibly fast, and a guy even quicker than him right next to him. Simpson is a really just clean prospect man. I mean, he's still 21. He was very productive. Um, he was strong at the combine. He
0: was fast at the combine. Seems like the whole package. And here's the thing, too. You bring up Brian Asamoa, and I'm glad you did. Four, five, six, good explosion numbers. Well, Asamoa comes in at 226, 6 foot. Simpson, not only taller, he's coming in 10 pounds heavier Mm. and running even faster. So there's just rare combination, again, of just size, speed, athleticism. That's the big knock as we get into a lot of these speedy, undersized linebackers yeah they're fast they can fly around probably going to be good in pass coverage with keeping up with guys but do they have the length do they have the size to not only fill the gaps in the running game but to be able to match up against bigger linebackers that's what makes Simpson so unique not only faster than guys like Brian Osamoa, but he's got the size to go along with it you mentioned Owen Papo yes Simpson was fast but Owen Papo He was the fastest, fastest linebacker. We both mentioned him on the show. Feels like every week for the last month now, Sam, even before the combine, I told you he was on Bruce Feldman's freak list, being as fast and strong as an ox. You already know it's Owen Papo from Auburn, one of my favorite draft crushes. And I knew he was going to run fast, but 4.39 at 225, like that's DK Metcalf kind of thing. Good Lord. That is blazing. Of all the linebackers, Papo tested fastest 40 time. Fastest 10-yard split, was top five in both vertical and broad jump. And, oh, yeah, number one linebacker in bench reps with 29. It just gives you an idea of how strong he is and how much punch he can pack when he's on the field. Also, and this goes just way under the radar more than it should, team captain at Auburn and started as a freshman. So anytime you're a captain and starting as a freshman at an SEC program – You got my full attention. So just that combination, speed, strength, and then you throw in this leadership quality as well. That's a coach's dream right there. And so you're probably thinking, all right, the way I'm selling him right now, Luke, what is he going? Number one overall? Good Lord. You're pumping this guy up a lot he's probably a guy you can get outside the top 50, 60 picks because he is undersized again. Six foot two, only 225, shorter arms, just not your ideal linebacker frame. So he's not a guy teams are going to use a premium pick on by any means. And plus, kind of cut the injury bug a little bit during his collegiate career. Only played five games as a junior, bad leg injury. He also just seemed to lack some big play instincts for how special of an athlete he was. You thought there would be more splash plays on tape. That's all. So it was surprising because he's clearly got all the tools you dream of. But for whatever reason, kind of had a hard time putting it all together after a great freshman season, by the way, at Auburn. But again, great tackler, five-star recruit coming out of high school. You're adding another Brian Asamo type athlete to mold, let fly around in a Brian Flores system. If he's there at 87, which I truly think he could be, I think he's a guy you'd love to pair with, Brian Asimov. All of a sudden, you hit the reset button going from the slow-footed veterans, Kendricks, Jordan Hicks. All of a sudden, you got blazing speed, explosion to go with it, Osimo and Papo. Talk about a 180 at the position. That would just feel great from a youth and team-building standpoint if you're Quasi, You know a lot about Papo as well, so I'm sure you weren't surprised at his combine numbers. In fact, we were even texting each other a little bit, like two proud parents. He was making us proud. We've called him out so much, but... With Asamoah already on the roster, here's my question. Do you really want to double down on these smaller, undersized, but athletic traits? Or would you rather get somebody that can complement him more as a true stand-up prototypical NFL linebacker with more size? Do you really care at this point the way the game's being played? What's your thoughts?
1: Yeah, no, I I, I am far more concerned with pass coverage than run defense. Okay. Um, and and I also, I wouldn't disqualify players from being good tacklers just because they're a little undersized. Like, mm-hmm. and I mean, we've we have seen the Vikings get burned a little bit by this. Like Troy Die, undersized, not a good tackler. Didn't work out there. But I don't think like there are a lot of cornerbacks on the Vikings roster that have been very good tacklers. Cam Danzler is a very good tackler and he's a lightweight. Right. So it, you you don't need to be a bad tackler because you're undersized. And hey, running backs are kind of getting smaller as well. Like as this game evolves, not many Leroy Hordes or Mike Allstotts running the ball anymore. So you need to be able to keep up with those running backs, too, because a lot of them are scat backs. A lot of them are uh, 5'10", 180, and they just try to shift their way uh, away from you and you need quick linebackers to be able to just get your hands on them too. So I'm, I'm okay with an undersized pairing. I'm sure you would still have a bigger body in your base package. Um, and, and maybe, you know, like we said, it's all about sub packages. So maybe they're not always on the field together, but on third downs. Yeah. I think you do put them both on the field together. So uh, I, it, it is an interesting equation, Luke, because, you know, Simpson, maybe a first round guy, He's a little younger. He's a little more productive than Papo um, Papo, a little bit more athletic than Simpson, but smaller, older, less productive in college. So there's an exchange there, you know, because you get him a couple rounds later. So there's better value um, and you don't have to use a first round pick. So between the two, man, I'd be torn as to who I would want on my team. Cause I think their resumes are both really awesome.
0: No, you're right about that. You made me think of Nick Bolton came out two years ago, goes in that 50 to 60 range, only six foot, 230 pounds had a decent combine. He had 180 tackles last year, Sam. He's had almost in two years, almost 300 tackles in his first two seasons. And again, you talk about, ah, it's got to be at least a discussion, but I'm not too worried about these undersized smaller linebackers being good tacklers and being good running defenders. Nick Bolton, prime example of that, only six foot, 230 pounds, led the league in tackles last year with 180. All right, last one I want to mention. This guy would be the perfect complement and balance to Brian Osamoa. Jack Campbell from Iowa, another guy we brought up on the show. I mean, he's an Iowa linebacker saying, what more do you want me to say? Six foot five, 250, big, strong. Tough as nails, more the old school blue collar, bring the lunch pail to work, clock in for the next seven, eight years. This guy's going to be rock solid, dependable when it does come to fitting in the run gaps, wrapping up, tackling in the box. He blew me away at the combine, Sam. And it turns out he's not slow footed like these old school guys on paper, like I thought he would be. Ran a four, six, five at 250 pounds, which is not slow by any means, at least for that size. But honestly, it was really the agility and acceleration drills that just floored me. Dude had the fastest three cone of any linebacker by a mile, six, seven, mm-hmm. four. Next guy was seven seconds flat. He had the fastest 20 yard shuttle of any linebacker by a full tenth of a second with four, two, four. And Cherry on top, he was top three linebacker in both vertical and both broad jump as well, showing that lower body explosion. So if you follow Quasey's draft history, and I know we only got one year to go off of, but it's the explosion numbers that he really covets. Campbell has the goods in that department. Along with that short area quickness. So you're kind of getting the best of both worlds in the short area quickness and this explosion, but also you're getting six foot five, 250 pound, prototypical hard nose, Big Ten linebacker, Dick Buckus award winner for nation's best linebacker. That basically says it all. Simpson and Papo, the speed demons for sure. Campbell, probably the best pure linebacker of the group. And maybe he's never a pro bowler. Maybe he's not on Sports Center top ten. But if you're just building a team for the value where you can get him, he's a great pick, anywhere past the top 50 picks, in my opinion. So I would love to pair him up with the speed of Brian Osamoa because I just feel like they're gonna complement each other really well. Where does Campbell fit in for you with the trio now? Simpson, Papo, and Jack Campbell.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I owe Jack Campbell an apology. Um, on a previous episode of this show, I slandered his pass catching or his pass that. coverage ability. I remember that, and I uh, it uh, it made sense to me because completion percentage against him was sky high. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I dug a little more into this, and it, the yards per reception is so low, and the, the passer rating against him is so low. From the looks of it, it looks like he's just giving up checkdowns, like and making the tackle. Um, Doesn't seem like he's really getting burned in pass coverage necessarily, and his PFF coverage grade would bear that out. In that last year, he was actually a top three coverage linebacker in all of college football. Um, So even though he gave up almost every reception where he was targeted, it doesn't seem like those were really big plays. Those were like six yards per reception. Um, Passer rating against him was 70, had had a pick against Minnesota and a little run back, if you remember that.
0: Against um, our guy so, Tanner, Tanner Morgan,
1: I think it was Ethan. I think was that was it? an Ethan game. Yeah, okay. but um, that's our guy
0: now, though. I'm yeah, team learning Aethan. experience for the young kid. You're going up. Uh, <laughs> this is the guys you're going up against in the Big Ten. Guys, you're going to be top fifty, top sixty picks at linebacker. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I I owe Jack an apology. I think he's probably a better pass coverage guy than I gave him credit for. Four six five still does make you wonder like how he would fare against some of those more athletic tight ends and running backs in, in mm-hmm. today's game. And maybe he's not a three down linebacker quite yet. Maybe he's got to grow into that. And, and I don't know if he, you know, I don't know if his game would last into his late twenties or thirties, like we talked about, but yeah, if the value's right, I could see him definitely fitting in somewhere on the defense. I don't quite know where, tell me which round he's getting picked and I could give you a, you know, a better, uh,
0: a better indication. That's the thing. It's tough after this combine now, such a great combine performance to try and guess where he's going to go. Don't think you can wait until pick 87 Vikings third round pick, but also don't think you need to use a first round pick on him either. So getting a mid to late second rounder, maybe in a trade back feels like the sweet spot, but either way. Yeah. Jack Campbell from Iowa. It's hard not to come away really impressed with the kid. Just, Again, kind of tough to gauge exactly where this guy's going to go. If you tell me it's going to cost a first for Simpson, a second for Campbell, let's say, and a third, maybe even fourth for Papo, I just think the GM in me says, give me the value of Papo, let Flores develop him, let me take those early picks, use them elsewhere in a more premium position, like cornerback, like defensive line. But having said that, of course I'd be thrilled to land any three of those, and put them next to Brian Osamoa any way I can.
1: Boy, I I think if I'm ranking them, I think I would go Papo for the value, Mm -hmm. Simpson for the potential high ceiling star quality, and Campbell probably my number three if we're power ranking the three.
0: Yeah, and I think that just goes to show the value and how much stock we have to put in guys who can cover guys in pass coverage and of the three i think we both feel the least confident with jack campbell i think he's more dominant on first and second down but again in pass coverage maybe of the three a little bit more of a liability all right coming up we're getting into our latest mock draft to see who the vikings could land with their first round pick but first a quick thank you for making the football party in Locked On, Minnesota, your first listen of the day. Now make Locked On Sports Today your second listen right after this. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes or less. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports Today podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you find your podcasts. All right, Sammy. You know I love me a good mock draft on a cold Tuesday morning. Pull that PFF mock draft simulator up. Let's go alternating picks. I'll give you first crack at it. Kick things off with Ryan Poles and the Bears up top. Let's make this semi-quick, kind of rapid fire. We'll put 60 seconds on the clock just so we have enough time to get to the Viking selection and just break down their best options together, what the board may look like when Quasey and company are on the clock April 27th. We can give, I don't know, each pick a quick 30-second breakdown, maybe even less, just an explanation of what we're seeing, why we like that player, the team fit. You got, I'm already going. Um,
1: I'm looking at the Chicago Bears pick one. I think we got it we gotta deal that pick. Like let's just keep it realistic here. Um, so Colts need a quarterback. We're not gonna overthink it. Colts give up four, bears give them one, and then the Colts add on one next year, one the year after.
0: All right, maybe a third this year. Take that second out. And seven oh, oops, out to take that out. There you go.
1: Okay, a third two future first offer the trade. It's accepted. Boom. And the Done. Colts are
0: picking. Chris Ballard is a traits man. He loves the traits. It's not who you are now, it's who you could be. So knowing that, I got two quarterbacks in mind, but I'm interested to see where, you know, what direction you go.
1: Well, I know how you feel about Will Levis to the Colts. I think that you are rooting for that um to happen because <laughs> that would be yeah. You know, um that that'd be good for your brand. But right, I, I'm gonna go with uh Bryce Young. I, I'm I'm not gonna go too. Wild here. We're going to stay chalky. Bryce Young.
0: I get it. Yep. Safe. Maybe not the sexiest. We'll see. Trust me. I know his stock's down right now, per se, compared to everybody else who ripped it up, all his peers. But come his pro day, his stock and his juice will fly back up after he rips it up at his pro day, too. All right. Number two, Houston Texans. I got to go quarterback, obviously. I'm a Will Levis guy. C.J. Stroud ripped it up, though, at the Combine. I think... If you're asking me what I think the Texans will do, I think they'll take C.J. Stroud. So let's go C.J. Stroud. That's what I think what will happen. If I was running the show, I would take a different guy. Let's just put it that way. Cardinals at three. This is where things get a little interesting and wild. Nobody talks about the Cardinals trading back. Nobody. Everybody talks about all these other teams trading back, trading Mm -hmm. forward. Cardinals seem to just, at least in all the mock drafts and what the experts are saying, they just stand pat at three. You would think with how bad the roster is, they would be picking up the phone as well.
1: Yeah. And it's not like they need to stay put to get a quarterback either, because I think they're still so committed to Kyler. Right. It, it is, it is a little messy with Jalen Carter mm-hmm. because of his situation. Like, mm-hmm. like what, what's going to come of that and, and is he going to be the guy? So I'm going to go one, one beneath that. I'm going to say just the Cardinals stand pat, um, just to, to keep it a little simpler. Will Anderson Jr., the
0: edge from Bama. Love it. Love it. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how far Jalen Carter drops in this process. Once a consensus top five pick. All right, Bears back on the clock. If this was the real world, you know Ryan Poles would be trading back again. I'm just going to assume that Jalen Carter maybe figures out a lot of this mess eight weeks from now. He kind of cleans up the resume, so to speak, and the -the off-the-field questions Easier said than done. This guy could fall. I'm going to say right now, he could fall out of the first round for all we know. But just given where we're at, Chicago Bears, they need a blue-chip defensive player. Give me Jalen Carter. All right. I love how
1: PFF list, lists the team needs for yeah. every team. And the yeah. Bears is like every single position. everything. Yeah, Except they can't fit anything more in there. <laughs> yeah. um, Seahawks on the clock. They don't need a quarterback anymore. Just extended Geno Smith. Uh, they're looking you know, probably need a good offensive lineman, but I don't think there's any tackles I would take at number five, at
0: five. No, they drafted no. two solid tackles last year too. I think interior, maybe a guy like Skoronsky would make a lot of sense projected to move inside at the next level, but that's still too early for five for me. Um, How about this? This is a little
1: radical because you think of the Seahawks as ground and pound, Kenneth Walker, Pete Carroll, But now that they've committed to Geno, they got to get him some weapons. So they are going to go with the guy who's going to run an absurd 40 at his pro day. Quinton Johnston will rocket up the boards and he will be a wide receiver. The first taken off the board to Seattle.
0: Wow. Have not heard Johnston and the Seattle connection yet, but you can never have enough good weapons. Tyler Lockett getting a little bit older. Uh, Johnston, clearly my number one wide receiver in this draft. That would be very interesting again, to your point to help Gino get some weapons. All right. Lions. Jared Goff, they got a guy who you could bring in a young quarterback, I should say, let him sit for a year. Exactly what Anthony Richardson needs to do. This guy just is not going to drop out of the top six picks. I'm just telling you. His combine was too good. Is he Cam Newton? Is he Lamar Jackson? Is he Dante Culpepper, Sam? I'm not sure, but the traits are too good to pass up on. Get your succession plan in place. This was an extra bonus pick from last year from the Rams, from the Goff trade anyways get Anthony Richardson in your building. Lions could be scary for the next decade.
1: That is the scariest outcome for the Vikings for sure. Yeah. So now we've got, I mean, this, this is where the real run on quarterbacks, like this is where they're all gone before 10 because lions, maybe Raiders for sure, unless they get Rogers, Um, Falcons, Desmond Ritter's not, I don't, I don't know if he's their future, even though I liked him last year, Panthers, Lamar's going to Atlanta, Lamar an option, um, and I think I, I'm going to assume Rodgers to the Jets. That's where all the, the buzz is right now, which means the Raiders don't have anybody.
0: They go Will Levis. I like it. I like it. Panthers are going to have to move up to go get their quarterback, which they desperately want to do as well. Falcons, all right, they had the least amount of sacks last year. Give me Tyree Wilson, long, lanky, freaky athlete, very raw, but I like him getting into Atlanta, helping that pass rush out.
1: Panthers have missed their chance at a quarterback so they could realistically trade down here but we're gonna make the pick um this is where the cornerback wait a minute
0: how about Hendon Hooker no love for my boy Hendon too early I know he's I know he's your boy
1: uh probably too early probably and he and he had like he is he even doing a pro day is he's he's still rehabbing right so there's no there's no new information coming in on Hooker that's gonna really move him up in the board so it I might be a little early, man. Yeah, so, no, I get it. I think this is where the cornerback run starts. I mean, mm-hmm. the, now now that the quarterbacks are gone, um, you start to see those talented first-round cornerbacks go off the board. So let's give them Witherspoon. The, uh, the top corner, arguably, in the, in the draft.
0: Eagles, along with the Lions and Seahawks, both have two first-round picks. This team was in the Super Bowl last year. This is a total luxury pick. You take a swing on a guy that normally you probably wouldn't if you're just staying in the confines of your draft board and draft plan Bijan Robinson in the backfield with Jalen Hurts with AJ Brown and Devonte Smith and Dallas Goddard in that offensive line would be a cheat code. Almost unstoppable. It makes me sick. Now, I know a lot of people like myself are not in the category of ah, let's take a, a running back in the first round. Bijan is special. Best running back prospects since Saquon Barkley, if not even better. I think you could use him in the passing game as well. Give me Bijan Robinson. How about that offense with Jalen Hurts and Bijan? That's scary.
1: Whew, look out. Um, they're going to be hungry, too, not mm-hmm. winning that Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So the, the Titans, I assume, are moving on from Tannehill. They commit to Malik Willis. I think that's coming sooner than later. they got to protect the man. Maybe they go with, a, uh, with Peter Skoronsky. Big tackle. Let's get an off- offensive lineman some love. Skoronsky from
0: Northwestern. Titans love their offensive lineman, man. If Rabel had his way, be taking an offensive lineman with every pick. All right, Texans, we got our quarterback. We need to get him a weapon. Johnston already off the board. Give me Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. This guy could be better. It sounds crazy to say. He could be better than Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. That's how good he is. The Ohio State receivers coming out are just so polished being coached by Brian Hartline. Feel really good about the Texans. Just new start to their era with a young quarterback, C.J. Stroud, and his teammate, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. Let's bring the connection back there, Sam.
1: Jets just acquired Aaron Rodgers. Not not for real, but I'm just anticipating that. Um, I they've got Sauce Gardner. They've kind of got their secondary figured out. Um boy, this is interesting. I think they might just get another toy to play with on defense. How about Kalijah Cancy? That's a that's a big riser post combine. Uh put him on the interior there and let him work. Just build a monster defense to support Rodgers. Cancy at 13.
0: Boy, I love him. I really love him. Undersized, but man, can he get after the passer. And nothing beats interior pass rush. Nothing. All right, Patriots on the clock. Gonzalez withers, flip a coin. It's going to be pick your poison. One and one A. Give me Gonzalez, though. I think Bill Belichick will love to get him into the building.
1: Rodgers turning to Jordan Love. They always need weapons, but I don't know if this is a great spot to go receiver. Um, I don't know anything about Dalton Kincaid, but I feel like that like they I'm surprised can't ignore they have
0: him higher than Michael Mayer, who seems to be the consensus mm. Notre Dame number one tight end. Didn't have a great combine, a little bit slower, a little bit lighter, but yeah, a lot of people like Kincaid. A lot of people love this tight end class, just in general as a whole. In fact, Daniel Jeremiah said at the combine, "This is the best tight end class he's seen in ten years." So it's deep, it's rich at the top. I think you could probably wait a little bit if you wanted to, but if you really like Kincaid or Michael Mayer, can't go wrong either way.
1: Is back to Yari on the way out? Yeah. Like, if not, like, soon, you yep. know, this year. That Like, I feel like they got to protect Jordan Love, too. Mm-hmm. What about Paris Johnson Jr., Ohio State? To love Green it. Bay.
0: All right, Washington needs a cornerback. Joey Porter Jr. just makes too much sense. Almost last into the Pittsburgh Steelers. Everybody's connecting the dots there. He doesn't make it. Had a great combine. Long, lanky, physical. Got the swag that you love your cornerbacks play with. Joey Porter Jr. Steelers going after the next Paul Amalu. Brian Branch. Safety. Alabama. Probably the best tackler in the entire class. He's missed four tackles his entire Alabama career. And think about it. You play at Alabama, you're playing teams like Georgia and Auburn and Miami, Florida. Tons of great talent. Four missed tackles his entire career. Has a little bit of nickel cornerback versatility there, too. Really like that. So the Lions got Anthony Richardson. You know Dan Campbell wants to continue to build the defensive side of the ball. Lucas Van Ness or Nolan Smith are both calling my name here. Let's go with... Let's go with Lucas Van Ness. Seems like more of a Dan Campbell kind of guy. Didn't start one game at Iowa. Wasn't because he wasn't good or talented. That's just the way Iowa does it. They always start their seniors first. Lucas Van Ness, great combine though. Love to see him pair up with Aiden Hutchinson for the next few years. That's scary.
1: Buccaneers, presumably, headed for a reset, rebuild. So when you're starting to rebuild your team, you need some foundational pieces. I don't think you I don't think you go tight end. Um I kind of think you go cornerback like I think that that's a position where, you know, you you build someone up, uh, you you work, work them into your defense for a couple of years. And then when you're ready to win again, they are hitting their prime. Deontay Banks, big combine would have loved him on the Vikings, but the Bucks swoop in and snipe
0: him. Deontay Banks. Good pick. So you took Johnston, the receiver for the Seahawks, at pick five. I know a lot of people are connecting the dots to Tyree Wilson, the Texas Tech edge. So we missed out on an edge. They still need one. Let's go Nolan Smith who ran sub 4-4 at his 40-yard dash in India at the Combine. Maybe the biggest winner of any defensive player in India at Lucas Oil Stadium, Nolan Smith. It's going to be exciting to see how high he rises in the ranks now. Chargers
1: on the clock. Vikings are getting nervous. Mm -hmm. Are they going to take? Um, I think you just got to keep giving Justin Herbert weapons. This is an arms race in the AFC West against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, And you've got to make sure that offense is top five in the league. So I think they get another wide out. Um, They're choosing between Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison. They're going to go with... Jordan Addison is going to be the pick at number 21.
0: Wow. And you know who the Ravens are going to take with the very next pick. And by the way, we don't even know they may be in the quarterback market by the time this draft rolls around. That's how crazy this could be. And they may have multiple first round picks to play with. If they did trade Lamar, they could move all the way up and grab an Anthony Richardson or anybody else they wanted. But As it stands now, they got to take Zay Flowers. they got to get some offensive weapons to help out Lamar Jackson at this point. Zay Flowers, electric lightning bug. Reminds you a little bit of Antonio Brown. That'd be exciting. All right, here we go, Sam. Pick 23 Vikings around the clock. Who's just the best available? I didn't think Brazee or Miles Murphy would last this long, to be completely honest. Josh Downs, your boy, is there. Some other good defensive prospects here. I know cornerback is kind of the default position we always assume they will go, but I don't know here. Emmanuel Forbes came in really light. 170 pounds, I want to say. Maybe even less. Let's check this out. And you liked Forbes before the combine. I did. Great ball skills. Outstanding. But, boy, so small. I got to look him up here real quick.
1: Yeah, this isn't an unbelievable board for the Vikings. Um, They're not going to take Kincaid. I think Brissy, that, that name pops off the board a little bit here. Miles. I think Brissy
0: or Murphy almost just let's not force corner Emmanuel Forbes. Mm-hmm. Four three five forty Sam at six foot one. He's tall. He's only 166 pounds. You're gonna draft another undersized corner from Mississippi State to go along with Cam Dansler? Great ball skills, though. Had four interceptions last year. He's got a lot of tools you love. I just know, Listen to Brian Flores on PA down in Indy, his little interview, first thing he said, we need guys at corner who can tackle. Can this 166-pounder mm-hmm. tackle, stick his nose in there in the run game? I'm just not sure. I don't know. Miles Murphy
1: is a production machine. Brian Bercy is more of a project. I think the Vikings would prefer for where they're at in their trajectory. I think they need someone who can come in and produce. I'm gonna take Miles Murphy, the Clemson Love Tiger.
0: Love it. Don't think you can go wrong there either way. Normally, again, we'd look at some trade backs there, but just gives you a great idea. Uh, just a good rundown and example of how the board may fall on draft night, which options the Vikings could have when they're on the clock at pick 23. Obviously, of course, free agency going to play a huge domino effect into all this as well. And that's coming up just right around the corner, too. Interesting to see how this played out, though. Brizi. And Miles Murphy there, cornerback, obviously the the position we assume. But Emmanuel Forbes, after seeing that run on corner, no Joey Porter Jr. just makes it tough. Sam just makes it tough. Well done, per usual, Sam. Thank I you. think the Thank Vikes, you. I think the Vikes need to get us in the war room this year. Seriously, let me at least just run the phone line so we get full value for our trades this time around before the fans lose their minds after you know we trade inside the division again. I don't think they can handle that two years in a row. That's all I'm saying. What do you so think? You,
1: you'll answer the phone as John Lynch says, Hey, do you think Kirk would come here? <laughs> we will give you Trey Lance and a two. You would answer the phone. And what would you say? Punch it.
0: <laughs> Punch <laughs> it. <decision>. Punch <laughs> it. Yeah. I, I, I can restart the quarterback machine, pay a rookie money. Plus I get a second rounder. Plus I get a guy with mobility. I don't know. Am I oversimplifying it, Sam? What do you think? Trey long and hard Lance about looked
1: that? really fun in the joint practices last year. That's all I'm going to say. There I would you love go. to have and that. The,
0: and the two games he did play in, one was in Soldier Field in the pouring rain monsoon, and the other he got hurt in the first 30 minutes of the game. So that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would think long and hard about that. Don't count out Lamar Jackson being traded. All of a sudden, the Ravens are going to have a boatload of draft picks, and they're going to be moving up up into the top 10, top five in the draft and trying to be a big player there? What if they moved all the way up to number one and just gave the Bears a King's ransom there? Between that and then watching the Lions just draft Anthony Richardson, not looking fun right now. That's not a fun draft weekend for Vikings fans there, Sam.
1: No, the, uh, the teams that have been at the cellar, they're coming out of the cellar. Look out.
0: The winds of change are in the air in the NFC North. Going to be a lot of fun, though, to watch these next seven, eight weeks unfold between free agency, who the Vikings go sign and retain, and then, obviously, the draft starts April 27th. Going to be a lot of fun, Sam. Can't wait to do it. All right, that's a wrap today. Remember, like, write, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode of The Football Party, your one-stop-shop breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings. We're a podcast too, free and available, all platforms, subscribe, drop us that five-star review and find us now streaming. On your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices, just look out for and download our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Sam Ekstrom, on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Check him out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show. Thanks for tuning in to the Football Party, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. We're back tomorrow with the mailbag edition of the Football Party. But until then, I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman, signing out.